there were some two in one uh, agreements that came. The first one had to do with this uh, embryo purchase uh, from Brazil and the construction of a hangar, about $105 million. And we're interrogating the issues and realized that the costs certainly had been inflated. So we discussed that. And then there was this agreement that related to the purchase of CASA airplanes from Airbus. And I think they were to come from Spain. Now, the costs of one, they said, was about uh, uh, 30, if my memory says me, about 35 million uh, euro. But then on the net, a new one was going for $24 million. And these were old ones that were going to be refurbished, you know. So we raised issues that the costs had been padded. And um, the, the, the um, Minister of Defense at the time, superintended by General Smith, mm, Smith, was not forthcoming with the information. So we wrote to Airbus. Their response at the time to us was that the, it should be from a committee of parliament. And that committee was chaired by the current chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, James Kluchavegi. James Aveji. And, um, well, he was not minded to do that, to do that on behalf of the committee. So we got stuck because even though we related to the cost on the net, which they did not disclaim, what we wanted to have was, uh, of course, they told us they were going to do some um, interior refurbishment of the old crafts that were going to be procured. But certainly, an old aircraft, if you have to refurbish it, certainly cannot be at a higher cost than any one. So those were the issues that we raised, and we didn't have satisfactory answers. So on the floor, we opposed it. And if um, <coughs> um, you look at the indecent haste that they rushed, the whole process, procurement process, through, it was, it was awful. But at the time, what evidence did you have to prove that the deal was wrong beyond at the time what they said was you going on Google and coming up with facts that they thought were not relevant to the debate because you were just on Google. You didn't have any hard documentary proof from this organization, this company. We went to the website of the company and saw the price. What better evidence did you have? Did you want us to have? They had described the specifics of the airplanes mm -hmm. and they said the costs of the CASA, one new one, as of 2011, was the price that they had. I think it was 20, 25, um, 25 million dollars, if my memory serves me right. And government then came to say that it was 35 million, not dollars, but euro. And that was scary. Don't forget the, the euro was higher than the dollar at the, at the time. Mm -hmm. So you are talking about maybe in dollar terms from 24 to about 40 million dollars. And we thought it was outrageous. Then General Smith then came to Parliament to say that, yes, they had done some interior refurbishment, procured some sound systems, and so on, right, to keep the, the forces uh, well-conditioned before any adventure and so on, which was good. We're talking about the price, right? And then they said even the, 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 the steps, they had to refurbish the steps, and refurbishing the steps was about $80 million. The steps onto the plane? Onto the plane. You remember, those matters were some things that we raised. And we said the cost was, uh, was outrageous. From the firm, 
And they didn't dispute it. That is what from the firm. Except that they said they had done additional works. And the procurement, as I said, was higher. A second hand, if you like, a third hand plane, right, that they procured. The price was higher than a brand new plane in 2011. So those were the issues that were raised. But as I said, our voices got lost because government was just, um, you know, in a, in, in a situation to push their way through. What prevented the committee from going to meet with officials of Airbus? Perhaps that could have helped you ask the needed questions to prevent us from getting to where we've gotten to. He wrote, we wrote to them and they said they would respond to us if it came officially from the committee and the committee chair was not prepared to do that. What then were we going to do there? I believe if we had even gone there, mustard resources to have gone there, I believe they would have fenced themselves off, given their own response that he sent to us. At the time, who were the key government officials? Because this deal, we have not been to, I mean, this latest publication, we have not been given names. But at the time, who were the key people running this uh, deal in parliament, if you recall? Well, the finance, the finance committee was the one that handled it. And um, it would usually have been brought to the house by somebody because the Minister of Finance, the Minister of Defense, okay. so they joined the force that came. And the, usually, in such uh, agreements, the, the agreement itself, that is the terms and conditions, will come to the Finance Committee. The contract would then come to the Committee of Defense. Okay. But this was rolled into one. So it was not separated. So the finance committee that dealt with the entire thing, which in the first place was wrong because that's not our practice in the house. But that is what went on. Let me say that in principle, we said we agree with the reasons to supply the military with these equipment. Don't forget, it was President Kufour who started this mm -hmm. in I think 2008, eight in March thereabout. Which was opposed at the time by then. Opposed at the time that President Kufour, President Kufour had no time and that uh, 2008 was an election year. He shouldn't be engaging in that. And I remember it emails and describing it as an indecent hit, hit and we didn't need that and so on. Uh, and then for this, the procurement process was just one day. It was just one day. The whole process? From the Minister of Finance to the procurement agency, and they finished with everything and then sending it back. I mean... Is that normal? It was absolutely abnormal. And those were some of the issues that we raised, that we needed time to interrogate the issues. So when uh, General Smith came subsequently to respond to the issues, the critical ones he just fenced off. And remember... Um, in fact, even the first one, because they, we, they were, we were considering the two together, the Embraer and the, and the CASA procurements. I remember the first one, in his own uh, analysis of the breakdown, four million cities, four million dollars could not be accounted for. And we kept insisting that what is the four million going to be used for? It didn't add up. The, his own arithmetic, this is not mathematics, his own arithmetic didn't, didn't add up. And then as I said, then there was this trail following the, uh, the purchase of the CASA. What do you make of the revelations coming forth now based on the objections you raised some years ago? I think uh, that we should allow Parliament to develop, to interrogate these matters for God and country. 
for God and country. Why people become to be very allergic when these things come up, you cannot understand. Right? And going forward, it is the reason why, as the leader, I'm proposing to my colleagues, and I would say that some of my own colleagues in my own parliamentary group disagree with me. They think that we should be careful and not rush into this. But I think we should strengthen the committees of parliament. See, in parliament, the um, one committee that is strong is the Public Accounts Committee. Because it's chaired by the opposition MP. One most of the key reasons is that it's chaired by an opposition MP. A government is elected to fulfill its promises. So where you have a situation, a situation like what obtains in Ghana, where our committees are chaired by the ruling party members or the majority party members, it becomes difficult to have a functioning parliament because the axiom is that a parliament is as strong as its committees make it. In, 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 uh, at the center of the Airbus business, you know, France is the location. When we wrote to them, they, they said, well, if we have formal communication from parliament or from the committee, they would provide the information. So you wrote as minority or opposition? Minority, and they didn't respond positively. But I'm saying, the, the chairman of the finance committee in France is a member of the opposition party. Okay. That's the arrangement. So perhaps if we have that, the chairman could have done the same for us. But our, our request was not to satisfy the opposition, it was to satisfy parliament and indeed Ghanaians as to whether the purchase, in the purchase of the places, we're going to have value for money. Right? You remember that not long after these arrangements, then the story came out that um, the, the president's brother, don't forget, who had accompanied General Smith to Brazil and to Spain in the purchase agreement or arrangement, then bought a plane. And, you know, there was huge suspicion that it was a kickback that had been used to purchase the plane and raise the matter. And then we're told the plane is not for the president, but for the, the brother. Where is the plane now? No, so for you, we should be careful going forward as a country. And I think that, as I said, one of the principal ways of positively affecting such positions <coughs> is to have a rearrangement of the leadership of the various committees in parliament. Does it mean then our parliament as it exists currently is weak? Absolutely. I mean, if I must admit, uh, we're just discussing it with some people who have come from the UK now to help us benchmark our own performances. We're talking about it today. We have serious constitutional issues relating to uh, parliament's performance and also its um, relational balance of power with the executive. We have these issues constitutionally that we can't even uh, generate um, legislation from parliament and from individual members of parliament, right? That the speaker is not part of parliament, he's brought from outside, and he may often, more often than not, they have their own ideas and so on, right? And then even, even the process of legislation, 
You saw what happened um, when we wanted to do these amendments mm -hmm. of the, um, the election of as appointments. The entrenched mm -hmm. constitutional provisions. Yes. The, the role of parliament is really not clear. It's like parliament is a mere conveyor belt. And it was withdrawn overnight. Yes. So we need, we need to interrogate these things. There are also, apart from the constitutional structures, there are also uh, statutory impositions that are not helping to grow parliament. One of these is what I've just spoken about, that all committees are chaired by. Those ones, we, we ourselves would have to put our hands to it. They are the, 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 the committees are hugely populated. We need to bring the numbers down because, because of that. You have a committee of mostly around 20. Some of them, some of them 25, some of them 30. And, because and, and you also have a disproportionate number. There's usually more majority than minority. That is what obtains everywhere. You can cure that. That one cannot be cured. So practically, what do you want to see? I want to see the numbers brought down. As, as I doubt, so the management of the committee, you want every committee chaired by the opposition, for instance? No, really. No, really. You see, elsewhere, usually, there are sensitive committees that any government will not surrender. Local government, not finance, local government, defense. Right? Local government and defense are areas that no government will surrender to the opposition. Right? Maybe in our part of the world, perhaps because labor issues are hot, maybe that one plus interior. The rest then we decide to share according to the numerical strength of the caucuses in parliament. That's how to grow parliament. And then also... How, how does it work? So you have a committee of say 25. And let's speak practically and currently now. You have more... So look, let's look at your appointments committee for instance. You have about 10 NDC MPs and about 15 MPP MPs you are the majority side. Clearly, there cannot be a chairman from the minority. Even if he puts a vote forth, he'll lose, wouldn't he? So still, he can run that committee. No. If by our own rules, we make provision for that, that apart from one, two, three, four committees, which no ruling party or ruling government would surrender, the rest should be shared proportionately in accordance to the numerical strength. Mm -hmm. It could work. There are many entrenched democracies where... They even vote for the chair of a committee okay. because they want to see who is much more experienced, much more knowledgeable in the field before making the person the chair. And he may not necessarily have to come from the, the majority. So you know, currently, currently, the two committees we have that are chaired by the opposition or the minorities, the the Public Accounts Committee, and is it Assurance Committee? No, it's um, Con subsidiary legislation. Okay, fantastic. Well, that one is not by statute, it's by practice. Oh, really? Yes. Both of them? No, no, no. Public Accounts is by statute. Okay. The standing orders provide for that. Okay. But subsidiary legislation is by practice and convention. Which other committees would you want to see, for instance, in the hands of opposition to ensure proper accountability? I want to see um, uh, government assurances okay. in the hands of the opposition. And government assurance is what? Is, what's that committee supposed to do? Like um, government comes in the budget to say that I want to do A, B, C, D. In the course of the year, we are not seeing the, uh, um, the maturation of those promises. A minister comes to parliament in answering questions. He gives assurances that government is going to do this. <coughs> they follow. They trace and track those promises and pledges 
and hold them back to parliament for them to explain where we are as a country in the um, in the precisely and this is unfortunately chaired by someone from the government precisely side. wow interesting which other committees do you think should go to minority no apart from apart from what i've said um, in in our case this public accounts is in france where finance committee is chaired by the um, opposition party member when i asked they told them that we, they told me that look you see a lot of bills that come to this house, agreements, have financial implications. And the intention is not to hide anything away from the opposition because they could be the next government. Because, you see, leadership has a way of getting to know so many things that the ordinary members of the committee wouldn't know. For instance, public accounts. There's a whole, a whole, whole you know, uh, sack full or perhaps I should say a truckload of reports mm -hmm. that the Auditor General uh, conducts and submits to a parliament on a yearly basis. When the uh, Auditor General submits them, because he knows that parliament needed a committee, will not have eyes to pour through all the documents, he would direct the, or maybe upon the inquiry of the, of the chair, um, where are the areas of nuisance or impropriety? And they will point out to the chair. Okay. One, two, three. That is behind the curtain discussion. Okay. Right? So not every report that is brought. So not, not everybody will be privy to these facts. Mm -hmm. The chairman of the finance committee has the right to maybe talk to the, the minister of finance. You've brought this. In my opinion, you, there are one, two, three things that I'm not finding. Where is it? He can tell them. Whereas if you're an ordinary member, you don't know. Perhaps you get up, one, two, three things are not there, and the chairman will rise up and embarrass you. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So these things are the prerogatives of the chair in particular. Okay. And that's why I say that if you want to move our parliament forward, if you want to fast track our democratic governance, we must look at these things. Will you not rewrote the plans of the government if you hand over powers in parliament to the opposition? where we have a petty opposition kind of system in our country where often than not oppositions oppose for the sake of being opposition and not necessarily because of the facts that they have before them. Today you are here before me. We are interrogating what issues we raised in respect of the purchase of the Embraer planes and the CASA planes. I'm not too sure that you would say that we're making empty noise, right? When I was the minority leader, any time I came out, I had my hands on some facts, and I will bring them up there for the public to digest. Many times these days, something comes up, and without really interrogating the issue, my colleagues, and I keep telling my colleague, the minority leader, something just crops up, and in the <coughs> afternoon, you are hearing them talk about it. You are organizing a press conference, that, and they have scant knowledge of the issue. It's just that they want to keep it in public domain. But that's not right. That's not how a responsible opposition be behaves. So, for instance, I could give you uh, as, as a way for you to flash back what issues that we discussed. This is the issue that I raised in, in 2011 about the purchase of the, um, the aircrafts, mm -hmm. uh, Embraer and CASA, mm -hmm. right? And they are relevant today. So I would say that 
It is not like throwing back um, the reins of government to the opposition. Don't forget, don't forget that the the ruling party will still have majority of members on the committee. So if a chairman purposes to be obstructionist, you'll be found out. I don't really want to strengthen the business of parliament, the conduct of business in parliament. That should be our, par our paramount concern. 97.3 CTFM is a station. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. This is also City Newsroom on CTTV. I am Umar Rosanda Modern. I'm speaking to the Minister for Parliamentary Affairs, Majority Leader and MP for Swami, the Honorable Osechi Mensambo. So it has to do with this particular issue that is the running stop story, the issue about the Ebers. And that's what I'm going to take you back to now. What should be happening now? The President has referred the matter to the Office of Special Prosecutor for investigation. What else should we be seeing and hearing? Well, um, I think the, the Special Prosecutor is competent enough. Um, if the Officer General also did some good job on that, perhaps we should go and um, resurrect those matters from that end. If Yoko can also assist the Special Prosecutor, because you see, the Special Prosecutor can only prosecute when he's uh, furnished with relevant information. And I think in this case, the Attorney General's Department, the Special Prosecutor's Office, the UOCO, um, BNI, and the Ultra General should combine efforts. It is not about witch hunt. I don't want us to go on that tangent. It's not about witch hunt. It's about having value for money. So that going forward as a country, we do what is right. The issues about corruption that we, um, we, we often cite, perceived or real, I keep insisting, is that parliament, that's, that's the prime body to be conducting oversight of the executive, is not really doing what is expected of parliament because of some mortal wounds, of course, constitutional, statutory, mm -hmm. and also some of them self-inflicted. Right, so we must deal with these things, and I think we must strengthen Parliament. Once we once we are able to strengthen Parliament, a lot of these things will be able to put behind us as a country. Your party has held a press conference. They are calling out former President Mahama, and they are actually saying he's the one who is mentioned in there as a top government official. Do you think former President Mahama has questions to answer on this particular deal? The the issue then we raised, it was about suspicion. And we wrote to the two centers, the one in Brazil, Spain, and finally, France. But we hit a roadblock in all of them, right? But I think if President Mahama is committed to transparency and accountability, he should open himself up for these institutions to probe into it. Even when he has not been mentioned by the authorities that be in, in the UK or in the US. Yes, I'm saying that some of us raised these matters, even then, in 2011. Mm -hmm. But how come that his own brother was with General Smith in Brazil, in Spain, and in France? In the purchase of these things. And when subsequent, not too long after, they came to own a plane refurbished by the same people. It was really something else. But in 2011, he was a vice president. Would it be appropriate to point to him as a man at the top of affairs and as a number one? 
Nobody said nobody said that he was the number one. But don't forget. No, your your party has held a press conference. Don't forget that he himself said that he was the luckiest vice president. That in many of these things, the president allowed him to go ahead. I had a nasty experience in the SES deal mm -hmm. when we went with him. I was operating my small corner when they came to invite me to join him to go to Korea. He was championing it. He was championing. You remember the the president himself had come to allude to it that he was asking him to go and put the the nail in the coffin. Mm -hmm. I'm quoting uh, President yes. President Mills mm -hmm. by what he said at the time. Right. Now, so we went. In going, in fact, in flight, because really they didn't tell me what we were going to do. They just said that President was insisting that I join him on a mission. It was at the airport that they told me what exactly it was. Wow. So I said, okay, can you give me the documents? I had not seen the documents relating to the SDS. In flight, they brought it to me. I combed through. I saw some, um, some, some strange things. I could all say we went with him. He was the um, spokesperson for the minority mm -hmm. on finance, the ranking member. So when I finished, but I flipped through quickly and I used my pen to point to a few things. So I sent it to him and said, Doc, I've seen some three and a half things here that are scary. I gave it to him because he had also not seen it. When he flipped through and took his time to read, then he came to me in the plane, said, oh, you said three and a half things. There are about seven major issues. Back Bing had just been made the Minister for Western Housing. Mm -hmm. Just about 10 days, mm -hmm. we went with Back Bing. Even the minister had not seen the, the documents. So it was us who gave it to Back Bing. He went through. And I told him that I saw some three and a half things. I could do, I seen another three and a half plus. <laughs> so we have seven. So Babin then took his time to comb through a sharp brain, a lawyer. Said, say, really? Is that what you are going to do? So when we went to Korea and they brought the agreement, we persuaded President Mills, uh, Vice President no. Mahama, not to sign. He was going to sign. That's how STX died. No, no, no. Then the initial. Okay. Uh, so we told him, so he said, so what do I do? I said, look, what you can do is just to initial it and tell them to come back to Ghana, which is what eventually he did. And that's why I was surprised when they came back and those things were outstanding. They were still pressurizing that we should do it. Mm. When I knew that it was not going to end anywhere, mm. Mm. I said, and I'm quoting myself, that that was a journey to nowhere. And it proved to be the case. So I'm saying that in all this, we should, we should strengthen parliament's role okay. in these matters. F finally, um, so if you look at the whole publication, this is like an in internal dealing by Airbus staff. Has Ghana as a state lost any money by this transaction? Did we have the full complement of the planes? Did we? No. Yes. Where are we with the, with the purchase? But did we pay for all and fail to get all? Because my point is that, so someone in I Airbus want, is I want the, the Minister of Defense, because I've raised this matter before with the minister. Mm -hmm. The current minister or the yeah, previous? the current minister. That where are we with that? And he said, he spoke in general terms and told me that... Um, 
he want to brief me later about it. Unfortunately, um, I think it's on the back burner now uh, because I raised it on two, I discussed it with him on two occasions. I said, no, they haven't finished, you will get back to me. That's about some six months back. This thing had not cropped up at all. But now, coincidentally, this thing re-emerges. So let us, as a country, interrogate it dispassionately. Mm. As I'm saying, the purpose is not to witch hunt, but to make sure that the processes of procurement are followed through well. But, but you can't say this is not witch, witch hunt when your party, and I'm, I know I'm speaking to you as a leader of parliament, but your party has called a press conference and corruption is flying in the air and John Muhammad's name is in there. So clearly, the counter-argument is going to be from the NDC and it's going to be politics as usual. You won't get what you're hoping for. Don't say you won't get the country. Okay. And the country should be crying in these matters. So, you see, I'm talking about strengthening parliament. I'm not, strength, I'm not talking about strengthening MPP in parliament. Okay. I'm not, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about strengthening NDC in parliament. I'm talking about building parliament up as an institution to do perform its proper role. If parliament is doing that, all these talk about corruption, we may not be able to uproot it, but to a very large extent, be able to minimize it and keep it at the lowest ranks. That should be the day of joy. So the executive has taken an action. The president has directed this matter to the special prosecutor. What can parliament do or what will parliament do in this particular issue? Well, the, the president has um, given indication, as you said, to the special prosecutor. Uh, he doesn't act alone, as I said. And I was saying that they should be acting in close collaboration with the auditor general. Mm -hmm. We could call for a forensic audit of the purchase of those planes to be done by the Auditor General or if you like any commission if you so wish or a committee, of or a, committee a bipartisan committee of parliament with professional competence may be able to uh, maybe um, invite other professionals with the relevant knowledge in these matters right to come and provide evidence to that parliamentary committee. So these are options you may explore, but you have yeah, not yeah. settled on what you do as well. In fact, I need to have some conversation with uh, um, my my colleague, the minority leader. Mm -hmm. Usually you want to build some consensus on this, mm -hmm. the way forward. But if they are not willing, then we can use the majority to maybe hold a minister into parliament mm -hmm. to, re to answer questions. And this will be the current minister? The current minister, we can't bring... Can you bring the ex-minister, for instance, to answer questions? Is it possible? No, 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 he's no, he's no longer a public officer. So it's not in your rules, you cannot do that? We can't, we can't. Maybe if there is a committee, we could invite him okay. to come and testify. Okay. But you cannot summon him to plenary. Yeah.